Turn your Bibles to Hebrews 13. It's such a blessing to be here today. I uh, have been already so encouraged through all these songs about Jesus. The book of Hebrews is a book about Jesus, and it is a exciting book. There's a lot in the, the book of Hebrews that goes back into the Old Testament. Some of that I don't understand very well, but I do understand uh, parts of it. And this last chapter, um, last page of the letter, is really an exciting chapter as I've been studying it. And we're going to focus mainly on verse 8, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the uh, person who is talked about from chapter 1 all the way to the end of this book. I think this is a fairly big book. It kind of reads like a book, but if you read a little further on this last page of the letter, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, I've only written a few words in this letter, but uh, so maybe there was a lot more he would have liked to have written, but he definitely held Jesus up high. In the first chapter, he talks about Jesus as the creator, um, as the exact image of God. We can understand God by studying Jesus. Um, Jesus is so much better than anything else, better than the angels, better than Moses, better than Aaron. In fact, this book is sometimes called the book of better things. There's at least 15 times and places the word better or superior is used. Jesus is the exalted one, highly exalted King of kings and Lord of lords. He has a better name than any other name. He, we have better hope through him. There's a better testament, better promises, better sacrifice. And those who suffered in chapter 11 and didn't get delivered, even though they had great faith, they received a better resurrection. That is, they got new life in heaven. And in chapter 12, the chapter right before the one we're going to study, verse 24, Jesus has better blood, and the blood of Jesus is better than any other sacrifice. It's the only sacrifice that takes away sins. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. The blood of Jesus is so powerful uh, to work in our lives, to work good. The name of Jesus is so high. It's a high tower. The righteous can run to it and be safe. Well, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm sure all of you have found the last page of this letter by now, so if you've found it, uh, go ahead and stand. Now, I'm going to read chapter 13, uh, most of the chapter, the final little greetings. Uh, I won't read, but I'm going to read down through verse 21. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are also in the body. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct or lifestyle be without covetousness, free from the love of money. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? 
Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore let us go to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore by him, Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch for your souls, as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. But I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus, the living word. We thank you that he ever lives to make intercession for us. Thank you that his blood is still speaking better things than that of the Old Testament. And he uh, is able to save us and cleanse us and change us and make us complete in him. I pray that change and that uh, process would uh, happen today in our lives and in the, the week ahead. We just bring our lives before you and pray that we would hear what your word has to teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I don't know what goes through your mind as you think about the phrase, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a lot of things that change, but Jesus never changes. Jesus is rock solid. Now, that doesn't mean he's not moving and he's not active and he's not about changing us. In fact, there's great comfort in the fact that he doesn't change in his person and in his plan. His plan is to change us into the image of himself. I was thinking about things that don't change I've heard it said, and you probably have too, there's nothing in life that's sure except death and taxes. Now, that certainly is not in the Bible. And I was thinking about death. It is surely true that we will all face death. But death is a big change, isn't it? Death is a change where our spirit leaves our body. And if we know Jesus, it's a great change. If we don't have faith in Jesus, it's a terrible change terrible experience to be forever separated from God. Well, how about taxes? Taxes are pretty sure, but they're also, they represent change, don't they? A change in income, where some of our income goes uh, to whoever's charging the tax. 
Well, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm going to first talk a little about how he is an unchanging God. And then I'm going to talk a bit more actually about how that affects us. Because this topic and this thought of Jesus unchanging isn't really a stale theological thing that people read back in the library. Uh, there's big names that go with it. I found this name. You ever hear this one? The immutability of God. Jesus is immutable. That's a fancy word meaning he doesn't change. Um, and that seems maybe kind of dusty and like in the library. But actually, as we study this scripture, as I read it and studied it, it uh, really encouraged me that for me today, because Jesus is unchanging, my life is so different than it would be if Jesus were not, if he were changeable. Just because Jesus is, is unchangeable doesn't mean that he is not active. I was thinking about Niagara Falls. Um, some of you have been to Niagara Falls. We have some visitors from Pennsylvania. Glad to have you all here. It's not far from Pennsylvania where I grew up. Some people from Minnesota, a little further from there. But anyway, Niagara Falls is considered one of the seven wonders of the world. It's an incredible place. I was first there in 1978 when I was 14 years old, and there was probably 20 feet between, 20, 30 feet between where I was standing and where the falls dropped off, where the, the Niagara River dropped down. And there was an unbelievable roaring sound in my ears, and there was a lot of spray that I could feel, and I could kind of smell this water, and I could see this huge amount of water dropping off, and I felt scared. And there was a fence between me and the falls. Well, in 1985, that's a number of years later. Both of these dates are before a bunch of you were born. <laughs> 1985, again, I stood there and the falls had not changed. The same roar, the same sight, the same smell, the same feel of spray was still there wasn't quite as scared, but it was still pretty amazing and pretty scary because even though it hadn't changed, it was a fall. It's, it, it's something that's quite alive and moving and powerful. And 12 or 15 years later, I had a third visit to the falls. Still hadn't changed. Now, the people that are there say uh, that it actually is changing. There's, I don't know, a centimeter every 10 years or there's a, there's a small amount of change as the rock is being carved away. And if you turn to the first page of the letter... Uh, this creation, which seems unchanging, actually is changing, and there's going to be some big changes ahead. This creation is going to be all folded up. Hebrews 1, verse 10, Thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. They shall perish, but you remain. So even though Niagara Falls seems to me to have not changed over those 20 years or so that I saw it, it's very much alive, and it actually, there's small changes, and there's bigger changes ahead, because it's going to be folded up like a worn-out piece of clothes. Let's read on. This is Hebrews 1, verse 10. Lord, in the beginning, you laid the foundation. God's the creator of the Niagara Falls and everything else, heaven and the earth. They shall perish, but you remain. They shall all wax old as does a garment wear out like a piece of clothes and as a vesture you will fold them up and they shall be changed but you are the same and your years will not fail so jesus the creator he is so rock solid so stable 
because he's complete in himself. Nobody created him. Now, for a time, he took on the form of a man so that we could understand God and so that he could make the sacrifice for our sins. But in himself, he's self-existent. He's self-sufficient. He's all-powerful. He's eternal. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere present. He's holy and just. And at the same time, he's loving and merciful. He's perfect. He can't be improved on. He's sovereign, he's in charge, he's balanced in all his attributes. And this earth, Peter says, will someday all be burned up. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. But what won't change is Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that can give us a lot of hope and a lot of confidence. Because not only is he the same in his person and his attributes, he's the same in his plan. And that plan is to redeem his created ones. Those he, he created, Adam and Eve, and all of us as Adam and Eve's children who sinned and strayed away from him. His plan for us is the same as it was a 100 years ago or a 1,000 years ago. That plan is to bring us into fellowship with him, to change us, because Jesus is unchanging in his plans. That means his plan to change us goes on. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the old damn. I want the new Dan recreated in the image of Christ to come out. And that at times seems impossible. A few of you know that around January 1st, Diane and I decided to start praying for uh, several situations and people that we thought were basically impossible situations because we saw in the scripture it says God can do the impossible. And so as we started praying for some people and we met some more people and our list started getting longer and in the last month we've added our own names to the list because we realize we cannot change unless God works a miracle of grace in our lives. And it's pretty exciting to see how God's been working in the lives of the people that we've been praying for and also in our lives. And I'm hoping for a lot more change. I'm expecting a lot more change to happen in my life in the days ahead because Jesus and his plan for change is rock solid and I want to be part of it and I'm asking in faith that he will do that in my life and he's able to do that in the life of all 8 billion people in the world. That boggles my mind to think about all those people in the world and all their sins and how he carried all their sins to the cross And he's just waiting for them to trust in him, to have their sins forgiven. Well, there's a lot of verses about this concept of Jesus not changing. The Lord uh, is an unchanging Lord. In Malachi in the Old Testament, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. He was saying through the prophet Malachi, Because I'm a God of love and mercy. You haven't been cut off because of your sins. In Psalm 90, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God is a God of eternity and stability. And that is a wonderful thing. And then in the New Testament, there's so many verses we could look at. James 1, 7 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness or shadow of change or shadow of turning. 
we can trust our Heavenly Father. Revelations 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. <clears throat> well, now let's move to the second part and the larger part of, of uh, what I would like to share with you. What does this mean for me and for you? The fact that Jesus is unchanging. And as you heard these scriptures, as we read these scriptures together, maybe different things jumped out at you. It seems like there's a lot of closing advice and instruction on different subjects here. I'm going to just pick out three things. Um, some of it's right around the verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. forever. And the last point is actually from what we sometimes hear as the benediction, which is right at the end of the near the end of the chapter, verse 20 and 21. So let's let's look at verse, uh, starting at verse 5. Because Jesus is unchanging, we can have confidence in him. And we can be content in him. Those are the first two points. So you'll see confidence in Jesus and contentment in Jesus in these verses. Let your conversation or your lifestyle be without covetousness or free from the love of money. Some of your Bibles probably say, be content with such things as you have. For he has said, God has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do to me. Because Jesus is who he is, we can trust in him. We can trust in his promises. He's promised, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to supply your needs. We can trust that. Instead, we often trust in people, don't we? We trust in money. John D. Rockefeller was a very, very wealthy man, and he reportedly was asked one time, how much more money do you need to be happy? And you all probably have heard the answer supposedly is just a little more. And so that's not just with him, it's with us too. There is this tendency within us, instead of being contented with what God has given us, and trusting him to provide our daily bread, we're looking for how can we get a little more. If we just had a, a better car, we just had a better house, we just had a better church, if we just had a better past, if we hadn't made so many mistakes, if others hadn't made so many state, mistakes, things would be better. But Jesus is saying, I'm your helper, I'm your provider, look to me, trust in me. People will change. Money situations will change. Cars will change. Last Sunday, we found out we did a big transmission job on one of our vehicles, and we were driving to church, and it was great for the first mile. The air conditioner was blowing, and all of a sudden, it wasn't blowing cold anymore. And then it started hesitating and rattling, and the worse it got, the more we prayed. And God answered our prayers, and we got here somewhat slowly the last few miles, but we got here. God provided for us. But cars will let you down, even after they've just come out of the garage with big repairs and everything's supposed to be perfect. Houses eventually leak. Our health eventually fails. 
But Jesus doesn't change. He's there. We can trust him. So the unchanging nature of Jesus should motivate us to put our faith and our confidence in him. It also should motivate us to be content in him. Jesus said in Matthew, Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So we need to be content with the physical things God's given us. We also need to be content with his plan of salvation. The next verse, verse 9 may be put in here to help us encourage us to be content with Jesus, the plan of salvation, and the Bible, and not be looking for other spiritual thrills and amazing insights. We need to be spiritually content with what Jesus has offered to us through the death, his death and resurrection, through his present intercession, and through his holy word. Verse 9, reading in the NIV, Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings, for it is good that the heart be strengthened by grace, the grace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, not by ceremonial foods, which are of no value to those who eat them, or we could say of no spiritual value. Now, if I eat nothing but M&Ms for a meal, I don't feel quite as good as if I eat a more balanced diet, much as I like M&Ms. So there are some physical benefits to eating a balanced diet. There's definitely physical benefits to getting enough rest, drinking a little more water for most of us, and exercising. But spiritual benefits are not uh, found in foods. Spiritual benefits are only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, the writer of Hebrews, God, through the writer of this letter, is telling us, beware of strange teachings. Be content with the teachings of Jesus. Be content with studying Jesus. I've learned a lot of things from reading other books, but the main book, that we all should be reading and studying and putting our most attention to is the Bible that points us to Jesus, tells us about Jesus. There's a lot of warnings about spiritual strange teachings. A lot of warnings. Apostle Paul, in almost every one of his letters, warns us in Ephesians, be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. In 2 Corinthians, I fear less by any means that as the serpent beguiled or deceived Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. In Colossians, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and not after Christ. Peter gives the same kind of warning in 2 Peter, there will be false teachers among you who will privately bring in damnable heresies or false teachings. And the Apostle John, believe not every spirit, for there are many false prophets gone out into the world. And Jude says, 
contend earnestly for the faith. For there are certain men who've crept in unawares, and Jesus himself different times warned us to beware of false prophets which come unto you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are raving wolves. Jesus also said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. I call them by name and they follow me. So I think part of uh, what Hebrews 13 is telling me and telling us is we need to get our focus back on Jesus. We need to get back to reading our Bibles and praying more and just following and listening to what Jesus says to us through his word and through his blessed Holy Spirit. So my relationship to a changeless Jesus, number one, I can have confidence in him. I can trust him. Number two, I can be contented in him. I can find real contentment for my soul as I look to Jesus and I trust him and as I learn more of him and as I let him change me from a selfish, sinful person to someone who is now a saint, still a lot of change that needs to happen, and someone who's focused on others instead of on myself. Well, the third thing, and it kind of relates to these, I picked out of verse 20 and 21, and that is, we are complete in him. Completion or perfection in Jesus. That doesn't seem possible, but with God, all things are possible. And it can be true, at least in a measure, because until we're in heaven, we won't be perfectly complete, but we can be as complete now as God wants us to be. And it, it says he can do it. Verse 20, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that's a miracle right there, same power that brought Jesus from the dead is going to work his completion, his work in us. Oh, there's more. That great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, through his blood shed on the cross, is going to make you complete in every good work to do his will. So no, we're not complete in our person and in our character like Jesus is. Only as we're linked with him can he start changing us. And each work and each prayer and each attitude and each word of kindness that comes from us that's motivated from him is complete. It's complete and it's perfect and it points people to him. He will make you complete in every good work to do his will working in you in 2015 in the space where you live and where I live, working in us his will what's pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I was uh, listening to uh, Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. I have a pro an audio program on the Bible, and I've listened to the chapter several times. And Ephesians 2 is an amazing chapter that describes our past, our present, and our future. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There was a time in the yesterday when he humbled himself and came from heaven to earth, but his character and his love and his power was still the same. And what he did then 
is still advantageous for us. That blood is still speaking. His prayers are still being made in heaven. Uh, he ever lives to make intercession for us. But where we are, I thought about going to Ephesians 2 sometime. Uh, maybe we could do that and look at our past. Read Ephesians 2 on your own and think about where what in that chapter is about our past. We were dead in trespasses and sins. What's true about the present? We are seated with Christ in heavenly places, made alive. Now that's a little unsettling, isn't it? We're seated here, but at the same time, we're seated in heaven with Christ. It's amazing. And yet it's true. Spiritually, we are, as a believer, we're with Christ in our spirits in heaven, not yet in our bodies. And in the future, he's going to show the exceeding riches of his grace and his glory. What he did uh, in the life of Junior and the life of Dalama, And you put your name in. And in heaven, he's going to say, well, look at Gabriel. Let me tell you what I did for him down there on earth. And so in the ages to come, he's going to display one person after another. And people, I think, are going to cheer and praise God for how his grace flowed through that person. He was changing them. Now, we don't see and we don't like all the changes that are happening to us. But we only see a small little bit of the picture. God sees the whole picture. Ephesians 2 says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works. And the word for workmanship has to do with tapestry. Those of you that like to uh, design things, uh, make, make something with your knitting or with your colors, uh, on the back side of those cloths, things don't look very pretty. When when Diane and I visited the Hiding Place Museum, they, they showed us uh, a beautiful uh, piece of how of uh, tapestry. And the back side was just kind of threads and knots and whatnot, but on the front side was a beautiful picture. And that's the word that's used for workmanship. And we, we are the workmanship. We're the tapestry that God is weaving, his plan. We just see a little bit of what's going on, but he sees the whole thing. Also, uh, I was impressed as I thought about the wood carvers. When we, when we visited some uh, shops in Switzerland where they had a lot of um, souvenirs, there were some amazing wood carvings. And there was some deer and some goat, mountain goats and they had just these little fine horns on them and little tails and all of this was carved and these skilled carvers take a piece of wood that just looks like a little ugly piece of wood and they start taking a little off here and a little off there they pick the right tool they put on just the right pressure not too much not too little just enough and God is the master carver and he's doing that in each of our lives He's putting the pressure on right where we need it. He's cutting off what we don't need. And he has a plan. We don't see that whole plan, but it's happening. And we can rejoice and we can be thankful that his plans are for good and not for evil. Some of you may have heard this uh, poem. I'm not sure who wrote it. I wasn't able to find who the author was, but it's called God Knows What He's About. 
When God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man, when God wants to mold a man to play the noblest part, when he yearns with all his heart to create so good and bold a man that all the world shall be amazed, watch his methods, watch his ways, how he ruthlessly perfects whom his royalty elects, how he hammers him and hurts him and with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay which only God understands. While his tortured heart is crying and he lifts beseeching hands, how God bends but never breaks when his good he undertakes, how he uses whom he chooses and with every purpose fuses him by every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what he's about. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can trust him. He has plans for good. He has plans to bring many more boys and girls, men and women, to heaven. And he wants to do that through our lives, telling others about him, showing the way. He wants us to put complete trust in him. He wants us to be content in him not running here and there, trying to find other thrills and other answers, but just find all our answers in him. And he wants us to experience completeness in him. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's have a song.